Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. My name is Richard Foster, and today I am joined on episode fuck knows what of the Stromcast by Tom Hames. Tom Hames is one of our sponsored athletes, sponsored coaches. He is the owner and um, director of Evolution Coaching. Um, Evolution Training, but everyone says that, don't worry about it. I, okay. Um, it doesn't I, matter. Tom, <laughs> I've Tom got Hames. the trademark to both of them, so. Well, you're fine then. Um and Tom has gained a reputation over the last, uh, probably the last couple of years for um, his incredible consistency with clients, the great work that he's done with a lot of high-level female competitors, the pro cards that he's garnered, and also for getting men really, really crispy. So we're going to hopefully have a look at his approach to coaching females and why he's been so successful with that, and also what Tom does to take people from being stage lean to what the fuck is going on with that guy lean um so over to tom tom when did you start doing coaching uh so i, I started like a, a while a fair while ago uh, and i was just sort of helping a, a, a sort of average joes and stuff and the occasional competitor my first ever client was one of my one of my friends sam morpass who who did uh like a peewee little show he did the junior class um won the junior class like a piece of piss um and then went into the uh, men's like under 80s or something and then um and did pretty well that i think he won that one as well then he went through to the overall and got beaten by some freak but sam recently did a couple of fitex shows as well didn't he and he, he did he did really well he won an overall yeah. at the wales i remember but I, I don't coach him anymore he's prepped by martin but um we, we did a fair few um i also prepped one of his friends molly um and then one of my buddies tom um, and just a few of these other sort of people. And then it started like trickling in. It was like, you know, maybe like six competitive clients and maybe like five or six sort of, you know, non-competitive, like people who are just doing their own sort of bodybuilding things. So it, um, I know, it wasn't a, a conscious decision to, I'm going to be a prep coach. It was just that you were helping some people out. And it, yeah, I mean, I didn't, really, I didn't really charge people to start off with. I mean, like maybe like 50 quid a month or something or, or whatever um, for like, you know, for them. But I, I didn't really, you know, charge people to start off because I just enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed looking after them and, and I enjoyed the whole process of it. But then it got to the point where I was like, well, I have to charge for this now because it's taking so much of my time up. So I started, you know, just just charging a normal rate, but I was still working as a bouncer at the time. So it, it did make things a little bit weird and a bit difficult. And then eventually it got to a point where I, um, there was a guy at our gym who's who's probably well known on Instagram. It's um, uh, Brandon Harding. So yeah. he was at the gym and he came to me because he had seen the work I had done with one of his buddies, Chris. And Chris had just won an overall. And he was like, oh, can you, because Brandon had done one show, had done like the body power or something as like a junior. Then he had been in a bit of off season. He's like, I want to go again. And I was like, cool. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. So I helped him for that. Um, and as soon as I started coaching him, I went from like 600 followers on Instagram. And then within like, a month or two months I was at like 3,000 or 2,000 or something so so working with him was kind of cool it was definitely a springboard and I ended up taking on so many clients from just people seeing that I was working with him to being to, to you know to, to a much greater level and then that in itself just just steadily built itself up um so I am always grateful to him for that um but then over and then I worked with Sarah as well so Sarah I've known for years because her sister used to train out of the same gym as me um and I knew her sister so I spoke spoke to her sister one day on the treadmill I was just literally just walking on the treadmill and she was doing cardio as well and she was like oh this is my sister she does bodybuilding and, she, and I was like oh cool I'll add her on, on Facebook and then I got speaking to Sarah and then over time like she's now like my best mate so um so, yeah for those of you who don't know Sarah is small but mighty on Instagram um IFBB Pro looked absolutely phenomenal when she won her pro card last year um, yeah. And I think she was one of those ones all through the season where everyone was like, this girl Tom's working with, she's going to win a pro card this year. It was almost like a, yeah. a done deal. Yeah, and it was, it was kind of like, like her look at the at the qualifier was pretty, 
was pretty insane. It was pretty much like undeniable. We we did lose we did lose a bit from the qualifier through for the finals because she was she's she does stress out and she was because there was so much pressure on her for it and it was kind of it was kind of difficult because you know social media can be like a blessing and a curse. Like everyone going, she's gonna win, she's gonna win, and she's seeing all of this and she's like, oh my god, I have to actually win now or I'm gonna like a dickhead. But she she was sort of like overdoing her steps and things and, and all of that and just you know just really stressing herself out. But now going into the pro shows this year, hopefully at the back end of the year. There is fuck all pressure. It's like, we are just going to bring the look that we think is the best and we're going to keep as quiet as we need to about it. And then we're going to turn up and go, Bosh, there you go. What do you think of that? Like, it's it's not going to be a case of like, you know, everyone going, she's going to Olympia in her first year. That's not happening. We both know that there's girls out there that are just fucking monsters. Like, if she if she did, that would be crazy. But I can't see that happening. I don't think she can either. Because we both know that you're, as a pro, you do have to show your face quite a lot before you're sort of seen by the judges. It is a little bit different to the amateur ranks. Um, so, so going through to that, we've got Romania planned, and we've got I can't remember, uh, oh Nevada or something like that. So, um, just go see what the states think of her, and see what the European judges think of her, because you have to also play that. So it's not like men's bodybuilding where you turn up. Who is the biggest? Who is the freakiest? Who is the most shredded? Who's got the nicest lines? Cool, they win. It's like it's that it, it's very very different looks that both sets of judges would like. So we'll just have to see. So, when did you not? When did you start working with women? But um, what is it about? Because obviously you coach men and women, but yeah. I, I think you've got a reputation particularly for working with high-level female athletes. Yeah. What What is it that you think you do differently or you do particularly well that has allowed your your skill set to to assist that? Um, to, to sort of for, for like to just be able to work with both. I think I think it's probably because like I've always been like a big bodybuilding nerd. Like I've always like loved just watching bodybuilding in general, and I, and even from. You know, like, you know, when people first get into bodybuilding and they look at like female bodybuilders and women's physique girls and stuff, and they're like, and they're like oh, God, women actually do that. Like, I never looked at that. And like, uh, in a funny way, I just thought, oh, that's cool. Like, I didn't really think of it in like a negative fashion. Like, I just sort of looked and then I sort of understood the criteria more. I paid attention to the classes and stuff like that. And I just looked at the whole process of it and I think understanding the criteria more I was able to go oh well she'd be really suited to this because her frame suits this in this specific federation or whatever and I think just putting people in the right shows is really really important as a coach. And that, that, that's a key point I think we've talked about it with with Fitex or Fitex being a new federation obviously uh criteria in some classes will be evolving they'll be slightly different yeah other absolutely things I mean, look at bikini what bikini used to be in IFBB and what it is now there's yeah. girls who do bikini now who are jacked yeah, you know? yeah. And, and there's and before it was just like who had the nicest sort of look to them, you know, but now yeah. it's just total different gravy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think with Fitex, they're trying to bring that back a little bit, but I mean, I, I stay out of the judging side, I think, because it makes my head spin, but you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that is a fundamental difference between males and females with men. You're absolutely right. If you're the biggest, freakiest, most jacked person there, you're going to win regardless of pretty much anything else. Um, as long as you're not missing body parts or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or, or, or there's some other flaw. Um, but, but with women, yeah. Um, there was a girl that I helped, uh, Zoe, and uh, she uh, she did the um, the British final, not the British, yeah, the Fit X British finals, um, and she came second, uh, and I got all but hurt about it, um, and then I got the feedback, and it was like actually she came in probably twenty percent leaner than she did for her qualifier, which mm-hmm. meant that she no longer really fit the criteria for that class. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Despite the fact that you look at her and go, well, she's she's leaner than the winner. It's like, yeah, but yeah. that's not. Yeah on the criteria of what you want to see and this is the thing this is the difference between the sort of the abroad show so well 
I say abroad. So the European shows versus in for, for women's physique, for IFBB pro level women's physique and IFBB pro level, you know, um, over in the States. In the States, they like lines, symmetry, some level of conditioning in terms of, you know, a good level of conditioning, but they don't want striated glutes up the fucking wazoo. And then, with, and then in Europe, they just want as close as you can to being in the female bodybuilding class without being a female bodybuilder, you know? So they, they, it, it's one of those where they, they just, there's two differences and we need to decide what we're going to play for both and how we're going to approach a peak how we're going to approach her physique and, and you know and dialing in conditioning and which one are we more likely to succeed in that sort of stuff so it's a case of balancing it for sar um and we'll, we'll, we'll cross that she, she's she's the one of the hardest working athletes i've ever worked with in fact probably yeah i'd probably say she's probably the hardest working i would say on a prep at least um and i i'm going forward you know i have ultimate faith that she's going to get to that top level but it's just a case of learning where she suits so if we know that she, if she goes to the europe shows right and she and she just gets smashed by all these enormous enormous tall massive broad big framed girls then we'll just go to the states and just have a really really good time in the states i'd imagine so she'll go there and just and just kill it because it'll be a total polar opposite to what they want yeah. in europe right so and then and then these two uh, the 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 american and the european feds eventually converge at the olympia and that's where it all goes. Uh, well it's mainly american judges right so there's like one or two european and then they've just got loads of states guys and girls judging so so you're, you're from a percentage point you're more preferable towards what they want to see which is kind of cool so we'll have yeah. to see um but yeah no that's that's good um yeah what you mentioned about the guys as well didn't we, we spoke about the sort of the blokes. yeah well um so on the strong cast we always try and cover one subject in in a bit of depth without going on about it for three or four hours um, so the bit that I always find fascinating, the thing that you impressed me with last year was the ability to take people from being stage lean to being. Well, the most conditioned guys on stage. The yeah. Conditioned. The most conditioned okay. guys on stage at several shows. Um, and that in my experience has always taken, uh, what's the trend that, you know, going to dark places, a certain yeah. type of, of, of sadistic approach to things. And I was just curious whether that's, that's your experience. That's what you've had to do with your guys to get yeah. them to that point. Or if, um, if actually you've, you've found ways of doing it that aren't quite so... so I mean, one thing that I'm really big on, like, on my preps as well is that, like, you know, well, I, I know a lot of coaches do it and they and they try and justify it by saying, well, you know, these bigger guys, they need, like, a once-a-week feed-up and they need, like, a once-a-week cheat and they need this and they don't really. Like, you know, if you're if you're taking yourself out of a caloric deficit, you know, and, and you're, you're pounding in food and remember the hungry bodybuilders overeat, you know, they always do, you know, like, if, you know, if, if you go, well, I have my cheat once a week and I'm like well what do you eat and go I have a Domino's pizza to myself with stuffed crust and the garlic dip and a tub of ice cream and some cookies from Domino's and then I usually start digging into a bag of Haribo and I'm like well you've just cleared 5,000 calories probably you know so so effectively a seven or eight hundred calorie surplus added on to each previous day for the last week right exactly you know it's not it's not something that I I chuck in lightly with anyone's plan like you know from the start I'm like we won't be doing any cheat meals we won't be doing any refeeds until we say so there isn't like it isn't like a set rotation where you'll be doing something I always I always preferred a clean refeed over a over a over right a, absolutely yeah because your body's actually going to process and do something with that from, and digestion's not going to get just all flared up from a bunch of shit that you're throwing in there. And, and and people will try and justify this this idea of a refeed around the around the principles of leptin and ghrelin and things but it, it, there really isn't um any significant effect i think i think you'll uh, you know what i find the worst man like so, like i think you need to look at it from like a psychological point of view as well sometimes don't you so if you think about it like this right so you you're, you're going every single week 
praying and waiting for that refeed you get a massive your, your, your week's just more stressful because you're just constantly thinking oh on Sunday I get my cheat on Sunday I get my cheat every single you get to like Friday Saturday and you're like oh my god I can't wait for this day to be yeah. over and I think that if you don't get that taste for it on the on the prep like I've been like seven or eight weeks into preps before I started doing things like that because you know you know whatever like whoever was helping me at the time was like oh you need to do this now but I think if I would like prepping in the future, I'll just say to Cal, who, who helps me at the moment, like if he preps me, you know, for a comp, I'd say I don't want any. Don't give me a single refeed cheat, nothing like that. Like, give me a car, a clean carbohydrate refeed where you tell me specifically what to eat, and, but don't tell me to go and eat a burger or something. The physiological reasoning for it may well be systemic fatigue and systemic fatigue. Right, exactly. Just as well with an increase of an extra thousand calories from carbohydrates for three days as it can with go out and have donuts and a burger. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that that's one thing that I'm really like, like people are going to listen to this. I'm not going to Tom, he doesn't give me cheats. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, that's fine. Like the guys and girls that I work with, like I tell them from the start, I'm like, like our goal is to make them look fat on stage, to make them look like they haven't bothered dieting. Like that's our goal because then you stand out like a sore thumb and in a good way. Like, like you, you literally stick out there. Like you can't be ignored if you're so peeled and everyone else has tried to balance their fullness and tried to balance the thing. So yeah. if you sacrifice 10% of your fullness, 15% of your fullness, but you're so fucking shredded, it doesn't matter. You look hard and full anyway by being so fucking peeled. And that this idea that uh, Tom doesn't give us refeeds or what is, is, is fundamentally ridiculous, right? Because everybody's an adult and they choose to do this. Um, mm. You know, when people say, oh, I can't have that on print. No, you've chosen not to have that because it doesn't suit the goal that you're trying to achieve at the moment. It's a fundamental mindset. And I find with the, not always, you may have different, but with the, um, as people mature in the sport, they become less bothered. You yeah. know, certainly people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if, you can, if you can last in the sport long enough, you'll eventually start realizing, like, you know, what, what's, you know, like, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Like, you look at it like, oh, yeah, it's fucking difficult to get to that level of conditioning. But it's when you're done and dusted with it, you'll look back at it and you go, I'm fucking glad I did that because I won. Like, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's one of those things where I think conditioning wise, like, that some of the there are little tips and tricks and stuff that I've got for the back end of a prep. I think certain PED choices that people have going into towards competitions can yep. certainly blur definition, blur lines, blur symmetry, not not symmetry, blur blur lines and things, and and, and just essential fatigue and sort of. I'd say fluid retention from just excessive over-the-top drug usage in certain compounds can can push it. Like I, I've taken the piss with drugs and I look better when I was using less. Yeah. Right? So. Yep. You know. so you've got any specific advice on those kind of things yeah i mean like like advice. like so my go-to for oral gear would be like at the back end of a prep hypothetically in, the, in, a, in a situation if steroids were legal obviously um, would be would be winstrol and um superdrol yeah. would be the two two that you know back end of a competition and, and i and i wouldn't really bother with things like anavar um i wouldn't really use anything like i don't like halo testing because it's fake too often um yeah. you know and you never know because it's not the lab's fault it's the raw supplier from China because they're just dodgy. So like if they were pumped, they're like, oh, it's, you know, we're sending you over your halo testing powder to this lab and it's just fucking Dianabol or yeah. something like that. Well, a powerlifter ain't going to know. Well, they probably will. But a powerlifter is going to be like, oh, shit, I'm stronger. Like, that's cool. You know, whereas a, whereas a bodybuilder is going to go, well, my prep's ruined. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I, um, I get that. And Superdrol is unlikely to be faked. Um, I mean, not really. It's pretty, pretty. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, as long as you go to a trusted source and everything like that but but halo testing just being such a very expensive powder i mean like a real legitimate like pot of, of halo testing you're looking at what like 70 quid or something like yeah. that like, yeah, yeah it's we, very we expensive. use it for powerlifting um but literally just on on your big lift days and 
yeah. and maybe for two days before a, before a comp. Um, and I think if you've used real Halo enough times, you you can very much get a feel for it. Mm. Um, but um, but again, for powerlifting, you don't need a lot of it. You're not going to run it for kind of a few weeks. No, no. And, and I think I think you going into a competition as well, like um, you know, like obviously the, the way that I the way that I set up like a diet going in towards the comp and stuff. One, one massive, massive thing that I do is like, if we're, if we're like eight week out or something or six week out, we're probably going to be checking in every other day. Like it's going to start being just pictures, wait three times a week and then a full check-in at the weekend. And we'll go through a video and a, a, a screencast and whatever over the weekend. And then throughout the week, it's going to be a voice note and an update and a quick change to your diet. Pull this out, try this for two days. Okay, cool. You've dropped way too much. Go back up to this. It's going to be little flicks and switches and changes that, that are just and that, and that that's an experience thing like if you if you know what you're doing with a physique you can you can alternate those things yeah well. there's a fine line between intelligent switches and changes and just fucking with stuff because you're you, because you it sounds stuff. cool and it's like it's some people do that man it's like they're trying to be like fucking aceto they're like oh um you know go eat a jam sandwich after training and it's like fucking what's that gonna do what the fuck is that that's fucking stupid like if i'm looking at someone's like like okay so for today right here's a really good example one of my, one of my clients jake um he's messaged me he goes my legs are flattening out a little bit um, they don't, you know, whatever. So I said, okay, well, pull your cardio for like the next, you know, five days. Um, we'll re-catch up on uh, four days and we'll re-catch up on, you know, in, in four or five days time. Um, uh, drop your steps to 10K. But but because we still need to be in a caloric deficit, we're just going to take some calories out of your morning meal. Yeah, yeah. And so that should set you, oh, and we act as clenbuterol to daily rather than three times per week. Like, that's it. Like, that's all we do. And that's a really, that's a simple change because it's a, it's, a, it's an adjustment that just just suits what he needs to do, right? So if we look at a specific, uh, a specific use case, I know it's someone that, that I think is fairly comfortable talking about what they've done and tell me if, if he's not. The chap that won the um, Kent show. Adam, yeah. Um, he was one of the leanest people that I saw all last year, I think. Um, yeah, I think he was probably the most peeled male bodybuilder of the year, I would say, personally. I, I, maybe Johnny was just as peeled, but they were they were both pretty... Fu- I, I, I mean, you, you have guys who are, like, smaller than that, right? Like, that squeeze themselves not down the same, to, though. It's to not that the level same. of conditioning. Sorry? It's not, the, it's not the same, though, is it? No, I think carrying like 220 pounds of muscle with, you know, at five foot 10 or whatever he is, or five foot, you know, 11 or something at, at that, you know, with that level of conditioning is, is, is different, isn't it? But yes. um, so, so what, what he did was like, he, his problem at the, at the end of it was just, it was flying off him too fast because he works a super, super active job. Yeah. So that level of expenditure that he did definitely contributed towards it. But he's also, do you know what it is? He's also a super, super calm and positive guy about his whole everything. Like, it's never a case of like, oh, yeah, it's fucking horrible. I hate this. He's like, yeah, I'm a bit tired, but I look really good this morning. So I'm cool with that. Like, you know, he, he, there's never anything miserable about it. He's just, it, and I think the mindset and the approach that you have towards it in terms of just stress factors on the body is super, super important. So <clears throat> Yeah. So. The the uh, did you see the guy that won the um, the class one at the expo show? Yeah, yeah, I remember. That. Yeah, he was very crispy too. Oh, he was good. He was sick. He was sick. Yeah, yeah, he was really, yeah. really good. So I I don't coach anyone, but I helped him out because he's a customer in the shop, and he's competed for years, so he he got loads of experience. Um, but what's really interesting is that he'd actually dropped thirty kilos from when he last competed, or twenty kilos, sorry, from when he last competed. Um, he he used to compete um didn't get his pro card and kind of got a bit disillusioned with it went fuck this and he went off and became world skier champion amazing as you do. yeah and then just came to the shop about six weeks out and said i'm thinking about doing a show do you think i could be in shape for for the expo show um 
And uh, his calories never went below kind of three and a half, four thousand calories. Did he start from like a small size or did he have some muscle? No, he, he, I mean, he was still Jack. This is the thing. He's, a, he's an absolute genetic freak. He was still oh, at right. 10 kilos of Jacksness, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he hadn't trained bodybuilding for two years right. um, okay. or taken any PEDs. Okay. Um, and uh, he, he just basically went into a, what for him, he, he'd been erging on five or 6,000 calories a day and was, was, was single figure body fat anyway. Wow. So he, uh, he dropped his calories to about three and a half thousand, but carried on doing four hours a day of cardiovascular, intensive cardiovascular. Mm. And I've used an example to a few people. People are like, oh, so you think that's the key? Do loads and loads of cardio stuff. Well, no, that was appropriate to him because, yeah. because he functions at such a high level as an athlete. Yeah, because his cardiovascular fitness would be so good that that's the, what, what we would consider intense. is probably keeping his heart rate at some sort of relatively stable yeah. range. And, and he can recover from that day to day. Right, exactly. Yeah. Whereas if you were to get your average bodybuilder and say, right, you need to go and do two hours on the ski erg, an hour on the rower and a swim, they, they then die. When you find PTs who are super, super, super busy with clients, they've got like six clients a day, and they're walking around a gym all day long, they're lifting and shifting stuff for the client, they're putting weights away for them, whatever, they're doing their own training, and then they're also, you know, paying attention to a step count. They are the type of people that, if they are screwed on, will we'll get super, super lean quickly because yeah. of that level of expenditure. They just move around so much, especially, so Ad was obviously working an active job. Do you know Chris Swan as well, Swanny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so Swan, who won the Brits, right? So so he beat Ad. Now that was bloody close between them. I spoke to Josh Maley about that and he was like, I couldn't actually really decide between them. It was so difficult. So. Had Ad flattened out a little bit by um, one or do you think? Or do you well, we, we, the first bit. show that we did, the Welsh, we did the PCA Wales and he, and he didn't look his best there because we, we tried to... If, if we, we tried a bit of a different method for carving up and everything like that. No diuretics used for, for him the whole season at all, um, and none for none for Chris either. Um, but he, um, yeah, he, he basically uh, when he when we were carving him up and Chris as well, they both did like three thousand grams of carbs over their their whole sort of carb up period of time, which was pretty nuts. But yeah, yeah. three thousand. Sorry, sorry, but Chris three thousand grams. Three thousand grams of carbs. Yeah, oh, I still might. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, 3,000. Ad, Ad was about 3K. Chris was definitely 3K, definitely. Probably even over. But uh, I remember I, I remember looking at the carb up for Chris and I'm just being like, that's fucking disgusting. Like, that's so much food. And I'm like, are you sure you can eat all of this? Like, is that not going to blow you? And he's like, I've been hungry for the last six months. Like, I'll, I'll do it. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, cool. So that was good. But he, yeah, he, he looked really good. But um, the, the Chris, Chris like runs around after his two little girls all day long. He's super active. He used to do like dog walking and stuff like that as well, like, like as a job um, and like some dog training stuff. So he was out busy with that all the time. But yeah, he, he's he, like, I think it's just that level of expenditure. If you're able to just move around more frequently. Then so you consider that level of neat. The, the meat is, is, yeah, I think it's one of the things that's that's probably the difference. between. I mean, okay, so look at Sarah, 25,000 steps a day at work. Yeah. Right, you know, and then that's and her food like was like you know whatever it was. Same with like when you've got a very good amount of muscle and the needs up there, you're on your way. Like yeah, I mean that, that's a big thing, I guess. I see a lot of smaller guys, newer guys trying to replicate what these big guys do, but if you're if you're nine ten stone, yeah. your your level of knee is not going to have anywhere near the impact that the the no. knee on someone who's eighteen stone is going to have. You probably need to wear like two weighted vests. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess uh, I guess a big part of that is, um traditionally with bodybuilding towards the end of a prep your cardio might go up 
but you would then just vegetate the rest of the day. I mean, I'm sure you've probably done it. I know yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and that's that's something that that you you do without thinking about it. You become very sedentary outside of your training and cardio windows. And oh, I'm on prep, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I did really much much cardio at the back end of the prep. I did some at the start, but I didn't do any at the end. Chris didn't do any of the entire prep. None, not a single bean. And Sarah did one session, and then we were like, "That was stupid. Take that out." <laughs> so, yeah. so um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not super, super big on it. But some people at the start, I am. Like, if you can grind a bunch of cardio out at the start and essentially just use it as a tool for exp- you know expenditure, whilst you're not at your le- a good level of physical fitness, you're going to churn through stuff. So doing that early on and just getting a bunch off, you know, early on is good. And then you can oh, just change free. things to just expenditure. But people always fret when you pull the cardio. People are like, what? No, 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 this is what's been getting me lean. And I'm like, it's not. It's, it's done its job. It ain't doing its job anymore. The, the general deficit is what's done, yeah, done the job. Exactly, exactly. Um, right. So I know that the, the, the parallel argument that I've heard in the past that I've always quite liked, to be fair, mm-hmm. is that if you create a thousand calorie deficit in someone by pulling food mm-hmm. versus a thousand calorie deficit via a thousand calories of cardio, mm-hmm. the person who does a thousand calories of cardio is going to look more like an athlete um but that's obviously not your experience um at all in terms of card like so i, I would say I, I always count cardio and it's like a neat as total separate entities i think so yeah. you know i think levels of knee is important right because it's if you're keeping the heart rate at a lower lower point you know as opposed to yeah i absolutely smash myself on the stairmaster and i'm like well that's probably why your legs look stringy you know so yeah you know i think i think because so, you've got the because you've got the fibers and you've got type, type 2b fibers that can switch over to either side can't they they can switch to either like you know slower or fast they can they can alternate and if you are constantly doing that type of movement through those fibers you know then they are eventually going to get that that signal to switch over towards more sort of you know um lanky lanky you say lanky and mofara legs rather than uh i know. suppose it's, it's balancing um total expenditure with systemic fatigue and if right, right. if acute cardio is going to contribute more to systemic fatigue then it's going to contribute to degree of deficit then then perhaps this this yeah and one of- thing you one thing that you find as well with with a lot of ladies is that some of them who have just got that spit and sawdust sort of i don't feel pain attitude is like um their cardio they'll just batter themselves on it and they'll do it and they'll go so hard that they just end up being oh yeah i'm i'm only i'm only down one pound i'm like you'd probably be down like two or three if you had just taken a bit more chill because you've you just look fluidly like your legs just look like bags of water you've got like ankles now but you're like like got a shredded midsection it's like weird so you know, you do yeah. find that that women do do that to themselves, I think, because they've just got a better pain threshold for dieting a lot of the time. Yeah, but I mean, there is no question that to get the kind of level of lean that, that, that Chris and your guys got last year, they do have, it does suck. Oh, yeah, no, it's not fun. It's not fun. It's not, it's not a case of like, I can keep your food super high and your neat's going to be there. That food will still feel like fucking nothing. It'll still feel like you're barely eating. You know, it's, yeah. you'll, you'll rinse through a meal in 30 seconds and be like, well, that's me done for two hours. You know, so yeah, fundamentally, there's only so lean you can get before you die. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And we teeter on that edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not too far on the edge. No, 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 no. It's, um, yeah, it, it's always, there's always something impressive about the, about the, the guys that have got the most lean. Even I think, I think from a, from because you can because you can drug yourself lean, but it doesn't look right, right? Like no. it doesn't look good. You can you can drug yourself lean on three thousand five hundred four thousand calories, barely any cardio, not really paying attention to your steps, but you take hundred mcg of T three and two hundred of clen. Uh, you can do that, but it, it doesn't it doesn't look good. It looks really really off. It looks really off. I think the thing is as well, the guys that are out of your mind peeled, you know, regardless of whether their physique is the best or flows the best or whatever. 
you know that they have worked their ass off for it, and you, you've they've got suffered. It. They've just got them there. They've got there by by just fucking it's just sucking it up, buttercup, isn't it? You know, um, which is which is why I think a lot of junior bodybuilders do struggle with it because they just don't quite get that they want to look like that, but they don't quite realise how horrible it is until they very like it's like naivety, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots of junior bodybuilders last year that we saw that looked really good, mm. but they were about six to eight weeks out. Yeah, 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 they had a bit more to come off, definitely. You know, lovely shape, um, and then so on. And I guess, I guess every time you do a prep, you're able to push a little bit further into those reserves. You're able to push. A, well, I went this far last time, and that was okay. So I can, I can move a little bit further down the road with it. Um, and I guess that's why we see such good conditioning quite often in the masters classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's same old shit, different day for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like Andy Lawley, do you remember Andy Lawley? Yeah, yeah. all the time for like a year, and he's like the same, same as he was at the start at the end because he's just, just made of old rock. He just he doesn't give a shit. He's just like I just fucking do it. He's working on the roads, doing tarmac and things like that, and yeah. then PT and then coaching and all sorts of stuff. And he's just he's just he, he like was it him or was it someone else? Oh, I can't remember what it was, but literally just like standing there eating like fish and rice, and then he just puts it down and just goes back and just carries on working for two hours. Doesn't even think about you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. And um, what uh, what was the other thing as well I was going to mention to you? Um, yeah, was, yeah. Oh, everyone loves Caitlin, don't they? So, yeah. Caitlin or shredded things? No, it was. I think it was Caitlin actually. To be fair, it was yeah. probably Caitlin. Caitlin was pretty shredded last year as well. Fancy she was certainly, uh, particularly for her age. For, for the figure look, for what you needed to get for the figure look, yeah. Absolutely. What was the plans with Caitlin this year? Uh, nothing this year. Off season all year. Get bigger. Oh, okay. Come back, come back either next year or the year after. Totally and utterly undeniable. Like no question about it. That's a professional bodybuilder. Just give her the fucking card already. All right, that's yeah. it. Job done. You know, um, I think so. I think that that's what she wants to do, and I think that that's the only suitable thing. But but we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to post a single picture. We're not going to promo it. We're just literally going to stick her on stage when she is ready. But to be fair, that is a lot of bodybuilding now. One of the things that frustrates me, and I guess I shouldn't, because with us running a Fed and stuff, um, the more people that want to jump in, the better. Um, but this this desire for instant gratification, far too many people want to jump on stage time after time after time because they like being up on stage, and I get that, and that's brilliant. Mm. But a lot of them would benefit massively from taking that year, taking two years, mm. fixing all of the things they need to fix or, or gaining in the places they need to gain, and then coming back and presenting a completely different physique. As yeah, if you come back exactly the same, like there was actually really no point. Like it, it, it's it's um you see you see it a lot. Um, you see people just coming back with with like, oh yeah, I've worked super hard this offseason. They put two pictures next to each other. And I'm like, you look the fucking same. Yeah. Like you just look exactly like the same bodybuilder. If you want to actually make a massive difference, funnily enough, 10 pounds of muscle doesn't sometimes doesn't even look like it's you know, especially on a big super heavyweight, right? Yeah. You know, it's like it's not a really crazy noticeable change. Yeah. You know, you could if you put like 20, 25 on, you spent two, two and a half, three years out, and you come back, people go, okay, that's fucking better. Yeah. yeah um you know it's it's uh but it's, it's, it's the society we live in now people want instant gratification yeah they want it's, it's a trend isn't it to be competing isn't it like oh he's that competitor he does this he does them shows you know yeah um, and you need to update your profile picture on on facebook every 12 months yeah um tom it's been an absolute pleasure if people are interested in uh hiring you for coaching i believe you're only doing competitive now is that correct uh, yeah i only only train competitors i don't, I don't work with non-competitors anymore but ben and sarah funnily enough do so they they work with everyone who does that and i've talked and you all that you don't work with non-competitors because they're bad people and not worth your time is that correct peasants yeah. <laughs> um if people wanted to hire you for this season are they too late 
No, 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 I'm good. Uh, oh, actually, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but I take people on at the end of months. So if, if I'm having a chat with you over the space of months, we sort of plan out what we're going to do. Um, towards the end of the month, we'll we'll go, all right, cool, let's, you know, let's get started. But I still have uh, four spaces left, actually. Um, okay. for, for, for the end, so this the end of this month, going into next, and then from there onwards. But um, yeah, no, my, my, my books are, my inboxes are free if people want to have a chat. Okay, so just, just drop me a, a message Absolutely. on um, Tom Hames on Instagram. Yeah, so evolution underscore training. Brilliant, fantastic. Um, thank you very much. I will let you get off because I know you had something else you needed to be doing today and I have to go over to yes. Birmingham. Um, but thank you very much and I will see you hopefully at a show not too far away. Hopefully soon.